Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured the fourth round FA Cup match, and our first match of a season, against Manchester City. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you doing? Uh, doing okay. I've uh, come to terms with the loss from Friday. Had a <laughs> few days to digest it. So, <laughs> yes, quite a f- quite a few days. I I don't I don't love the Friday games. I have to be honest because then it's like my whole weekend is open. What am I supposed to do with my time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the thought occurred to me too. There were a couple times where yeah, I had time to just like kind of sit and do stuff, and now I was plenty productive in other areas. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it felt a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, so, so especially at this point of the season, we've been threatening, we've been threatening, you know, games coming fast and furious, and then you look and go, eh, no, one a week, and another week, and another week. So, <laughs> well, for now, I guess uh, Valentine's Day is like when Europa is coming back. So, yeah. no, uh, uh, no, not for us. We're oh, that's not, when Champions we're not. League is coming back. Well, okay. yeah, so it's it's Champions League, and then also, so it's the it's the first knockout round of the Europa League, but the the round that we get to skip since we won our group. We're not going to play oh, until right. March, actually. So that's that's nice for us. Yeah. Okay. Bonus. All right. So yeah, um, I was glad going into this match with different commentators, I guess, because I, 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 this is ESPN Plus coverage. I don't know who they were, who was providing them, but. Um, they use the term tie to refer to this game over and over and over again. So I'm very glad that that came up last week. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Sometimes every once in a while we have a, we, we get ahead of the game for once. Yeah. I probably would have picked it up eventually from context, but uh, <laughs> it, I knew what to make of it from the first couple mentions. So that was, that was good. Uh, speaking of the commentators, they mentioned towards the beginning of this match that apparently uh, Gabriel Jesus is expected to be back in about a month or so. So that's good. Uh, apparently, that'll be just about in time for us to return to Europa. So some of the players who have been picking up his slack in our normal Premier League matches will probably still get to start in the uh, Europa League matches as we start doing those again. Yes, actually, that that does actually work out quite nicely because we have only one. Uh, as I can tell, look at the schedule. It looks like we'll really only have uh, one midweek game between now and the restart, and when we get back to the Europa League for the, I want to say it's the round of sixteen. Officially, we're in. Um, of yeah. course, the one the one we have in 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 just over in just over two weeks is is the big one, home to Manchester City. But otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's. <laughs> You know, we'll have him for the stretch run, and we're in a, a position where, you know, it would be good to have him, but I think we'll be okay without him. And certainly, as we've talked about, Eddie and Ketia has, has more than stepped up in the in the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, so what's going on with transfers this week? Uh, so, uh, first off, I, as as we record on Monday. Uh, by the time everyone hears this, the transfer window will be closing on Tuesday evening. Uh, it is 11 p.m. London time. And so that is mm. uh, 6 o'clock in the evening for you in New York and 5 o'clock mm-hmm. for me here on the Texas Gulf Coast. Uh, so just mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. And and anyone who follows sports will be able to tell you, you know, notes about the trade deadline and, and that. Yeah, that the last moment to make any moves for your team and how many deals seem to happen right at the last possible minute. I would not be too surprised to see something slip in under the wire 
uh, particularly players coming and going. The big one, though, I think in terms of a player potentially coming, uh, Arsenal fans will be watching a, a player from Brighton named Moises Caicedo, who is Ecuadorian. Hmm. Um, he's young. He's 21, a, a central midfielder who's actually been a, a real boon to Brighton. Uh, but Arsenal have, are very interested in him. Uh, we bid over the weekend, actually, because uh, originally, of course, our big our big plan was Mikhailo Mudrik. That fell through. We went for uh, Trossard, who was also from Brighton. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, another Brighton player. Which you know, we made a bid for uh, sixty million, uh, which Brighton rejected. Sixty million pounds. Uh, get the currency right there, and then apparently we made a second <laughs> one of sixty-five million plus uh, potential add-ons, another five million, so potentially up to seven million pounds to to Brighton, both of which they have rejected. Caicedo has expressed interest in coming. The club has basically told him, uh, "Why don't you stay home for a few days until the deadline passes?" Which isn't actually the most unusual thing in the world. It kind of removes the ability for him to have certain leverage over the team. Uh, Hmm. So it feels like a saga, but it's also a case of, you know, Brighton has a valuation in mind, and they're very good about setting, Brighton in particular is very good about setting how much they want to pay for players or how much they want to accept for them, and they would really like to keep him. He's been very key to them. They have a they have a real shot at going to Europe, at qualifying for a European competition this year, and so on the one hand, I can't blame them for sticking to their guns. On the other hand... Uh, some of the statistical analysis puts him as potentially a, a, an excellent defensive midfielder, which with Mohamed Elneny's injury would make him an excellent uh, cover for Thomas Partey, who did come off a little worse for wear in the, the City game. But um, we'll see how this one plays yeah. out. Uh, Brighton says he's not for sale. That's what everyone says right before someone's for sale. Uh, but they could, <laughs> they, but but they could mean that. It could be they they've set a price uh, that. Arsenal ultimately decides they don't want to meet. So it'll be curious to see how that plays out in as we record this in the next, oh, a little less than 24 hours. Sure. All right. Well, if that's it for the news, I think we should talk about the Manchester City match. So this was the fourth round of the FA Cup. This match took place on Friday, uh, January 27th. And the final score was disappointingly Manchester one to Arsenal's nil. Um, we lost, but I, I, I guess what I would say, my my overall thoughts on the match were, I think in losing to them, but only keeping them to a single goal, I think it's probably the best <laughs> defeat we could have had. Um, the commentators were saying that this was pretty much Manchester City's A-team lineup, like their best lineup. They were treating it like they really wanted to win this match. Arsenal didn't treat it the same way. We used a lot of our secondary players to, for the bulk of the match until we brought in some some substitutions later on. And... You know, we I, I think we had a very strong first half. I think the only credible goal attempts were from us, and that first half ended nil-nil. I think that the strongest shots were from us. They were very powerful shots that were very good saves on their goalkeeper's part. I think he did a, an outstanding job uh, defending against us, but we we shut them down for a lot of the match, and they got one good shot off, and that was that was all it took, but... I think it was a respectable performance. How how did you feel about it? Um, I I think I, you know it's I I kind of 
part of me kind of wants to be able to turn that question back on you. Obviously, we we've talked about Manchester City as the you know sort of the 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 lurking shadow you know, that looms over everything that we've done all season. I I think there's a lot to be said for that lineup, and it, I'm very curious. It says a lot, I think, about how both teams are approaching the game, particularly Arsenal. You're right. Arsenal definitely rolled out a um, – they definitely rolled out a, a – a, I wouldn't call it a B lineup, but definitely a, a sort of – definitely getting some players on the field who you wouldn't normally see. Rob Holding had, was a lot – both the fullbacks, uh, Tierney and Tomiyasu started. Trossard got his first start. Um, uh, yeah. Fabio Vieira was on there as opposed to Martin Odegaard. So, yeah, it's definitely we took kind of a – yeah, we definitely decided to go with the, the you know, the not quite top lineup. And City, yeah, rolled out really quite a strong lineup, uh, which was which was very interesting. I, I guess I'm curious to you. I mean, the only, the only real change was, uh, was the keeper, Ortega, is their backup uh, to hmm. – um, okay. Uh, Aderson is their is their starter, so I, I guess I'm sort of curious. We've 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 talked about City for a while now. Your first your first impressions at at seeing at seeing the monster up close. Yeah, I mean overall, so we played them at home. Well, their home. We played right. them away for us. We played them on their home turf with their, well, at least one of their best permutations that they could have given us. And I think we turned in a very respectable performance. I think it wasn't a blowout. It was very evenly matched. I think that there were some some changes. I think when, and, and some of this is piggybacking off of things that I heard the commentators say, but that I agree with. Like when they took party out mid, I think it was, I think that was in the, first half still wasn't it i don't i don't think he finished the first half or if he did then this is something that weakened the lineup in the second half yeah, um, it looks like he came up looks like he came off right before halftime right that's what i thought um and you could tell right away that there were holes in holes in the coverage that they were able to exploit early on um and that was kind of the beginning of us seeding to them um I feel like they they did a respectable job given the lineup that they use. Now it is puzzling why we did use that lineup when it was our only match of the week. So it would have been like any other Premier League week for them if they had had their their eight their first string, let's say, right? If they'd had not to put down Turner, I think Turner did a, a pretty good job. Um, but if it had Ramsdale and if it had Martinelli and Odegaard, like all, all the all the starting lineup we're used to seeing, I think this could have gone differently. I think that they easily could have won it, and that that encourages me for how we'll fare against them, especially when we play them at the Emirates, and even if we play them with our strongest possible lineup the next time we face them at their stadium. I think that we don't have to really be afraid of them. Like we we did a pretty good job. Oh yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I you know, and it, it's sort of interesting what it says. You know, just looking at the lineup. Um, you, you can see areas, I think, where we're, we have good depth um, in the roster. You know, Turner is going to get starts in the cup competitions. And so I would not be surprised at all if the only time he sees the field the rest of the season, barring injury, of course, I said furiously knocking on my wooden desk, um, would be when he play, <laughs> He probably plays in the Europa League. And I think Aaron Ramsdale sort of gets it from here on out. Um, right. 
you know, you look at our fullbacks. We talk about Tomiyasu and Tierney. I mean, how great is it to have Tomiyasu and Tierney, who are starting caliber players, uh, to come in and start like that? Uh, and then, of course, to have Leandro Trossard to give Martinelli a bit of a rest. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. Martinelli came in in the second half, and to be able to rotate them, Saka was on for a good chunk of the game. But you you point out right there, I mean, the, the drop-off between Thomas Partey and his backups, uh, especially with El Nene out. Was, is, yeah, I think Samuel Lacongo was, was yeah, one of them. Yeah, and he's a, he's a guy who I think there's a lot of chatter around the Certainly around the fan base, the club's pretty quiet, but there's a lot of chatter that he may not be a guy. He might be a guy who's who's not with the team next year. And that could be he yeah. goes on a loan somewhere, or maybe he does get sold the sense that he's not progressing the way Arsenal, you know, would like him to and, and for all kinds of things. Sure. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, he's and you could argue you know, he he's one of the ones who doesn't cover particularly well you know on on what ends up being their goal and it's just kind of one of those moments where uh, you, you, you hate to reduce a player's time to a single moment but there is also a part that sort of makes you go oh you know really i mean can he can he come mm-hmm. back from that um right so yeah that's that's kind of disappointing but yeah you can sort of see and again it really emphasizes why a midfielder especially a central midfielder is so um is going to be so important uh, or, you know, why Arsenal is focusing on that for, uh, for the transfer window. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, overall, I think, you know, obviously we lost and you're never going to be happy about a loss, but I think that we had a good showing that that was overall my takeaway is it could have been a lot worse. And I think there's a chink in Manchester City's armor. I think if that's what they had to do to beat us that and they only beat us by such a small margin, I think that we will fare pretty well the next time. I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Yeah, it's easy to be optimistic, you know, in that regard. Uh, I do think, I do think City City has this interesting way of playing, and and I'll I'll throw a couple things out there. One, looking at their lineup, you know, they've City is the sense for a lot of people is they've been missing something this year. Like they aren't hmm. quite as like there's just something that doesn't quite work with the way they're structured the way it used to, and so I I could see them rolling out, and they've. They've had a couple tough results lately, obviously, which has allowed us to open up uh, that slightly larger lead uh, in the in the league, uh, which they have since closed a little bit. But we still have the game in hand, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I wonder if there's a, an effort there on the, on Pep Guardiola's part to say, "Hey, let's let's snap back in this. Let's try and work some things together." Uh, also, as I recall, they have a week off until their next game as well. So, I mean, why not roll out a, a full strength lineup? Um, right. Yeah, they're like not playing till. They're not, sure. Yeah, they're not playing till Sunday. So yeah, why not uh, take? Why not take a little? You know, why not push push players like that? Um, I think the other side is, and you saw this a little bit in the second half after they got the goal. Uh, City, in some ways, is a little bit a little bit like a boa constrictor in that once they get a lead, they're they're excellent at just squeezing the life out of a game. In their case, through possession. And they did a lot of this mm-hmm. as far as I saw in the second half, it just sort of p- pinging the ball around to each other, passing it back and forth, back and forth, which, you know, it takes time. It wastes time. It doesn't allow you to, mm-hmm. to do the things you want. I mean, so often the season we've seen Arsenal dominate possession. 
and and we just didn't, and you know you're just not going to see that against Manchester City. In some ways, you have to be prepared to play a little bit differently. So, you know, right. I, I think you know for us to hold them as well as we did, I thought was pretty good. Uh, you know, we we got a couple of chances that sort of just went wide or ended up in good saves. Uh, but you know, as well, I mean, I don't think city was walking into this game looking to win, you know, two nil, three nil, um, necessarily. Yeah. I, I mean, they, we, we played when we played them at the Etihad last year, I think that was a, it was a three nil. I mean, we got, that was early in the season before, you know, all the transfers really came in and guys started playing well I, and, and they hammered us. I mean, just we looked completely right. We looked completely out of their league. And so to go up there at this point a year and a half later and put in a credible performance with a second with essentially something of a second string roster, yeah, it's it's hard not to feel good about that. Um it's interesting, yeah. Everyone comes out of this kind of unsatisfied. I've uh, watched you know in the highlight packages and basically other than the goal, there really are no highlights in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And adding to what you were saying about them dominating by just passing it around a lot, they showed a stat at one point toward the end of the match showing the passes and completed passes for each side. They had more completed passes than we had pass attempts, and it was not even close. The like our, our comparing our completed pass numbers, like they had like a hundred more than we did. Like they were like in the three hundreds, we were in the two hundreds or something. It was it was really lopsided. That that definitely goes with what you were saying. Yeah, and th- and that's and that's that's their game. That's what they do. And there are a lot of people who find it boring I, I i get why there's a certain artistry to it but you know certainly it's it can be very frustrating to watch when it's not happening to your team or when it's happening to your team right. and they're passing you to death like that um there's right. and uh, yeah that's a lot of that is drawn out of and pep guardiola's style it was it was prominent with the spanish national team and sort of the the late 2000s early 2010s when they they won back-to-back euros and the uh and the world cup uh, Barcelona won the Champions League several times, and one of the great one of the great teams that anyone's ever seen in in club soccer. So it's yeah, there's it's had a lot of success, uh, but it also requires a pretty high skill level, which they of course, as you can see, they of course have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, so let's uh, let's go through some of the the finer details of of this match um the the first thing that that i noticed early on was uh i had talked i think it was the week that we had uh mike on i had mentioned and that was when we played newcastle and you know newcastle's jerseys have the um black and white bar stripes um up and down their jerseys and their nets and their goals also have those same types of stripes and we had talked about what other teams do. I, I did notice at the Etihad that they had, first of all, it was a little weird. They had three supports for the, the back of the net. Instead, usually you just have two off of the rear corners. They had a third one in the middle pulling the net, keeping tension on it. Um, but those three bars, those were all colored blue, like their jerseys. So it's just a little bit more uh, put together. <laughs> I guess a little more branding on there. So that was, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, and I think we mentioned that. Yeah, you're going to see some clubs that do stuff like that, and sometimes it just becomes a little more obvious. I think because of the camera or the way things are. Stri- yeah, it, some some of it just seems a little clearer on the on the screen. But yeah, they you know they and they they do have a very distinctive blue. City does so. Yeah. Um. So the the next thing I wanted to ask about was there were. 
this this coverage started earlier than than how it often does when I'm watching streaming, and it showed the teams walking out onto the pitch. And I noticed on both sides that almost every player, if not every single player who walked out there was accompanied by a child wearing wearing a jersey from the same team. Um, who who are those kids? Why are they walking out there? What What is that? Do you know? So they'll they'll call those mascots. Um, you okay. see them a lot in the World Cup. You probably saw them there as well. Um, yeah, it, it's you know apparently they also I had to look some of this up because I know they're out there and of course I've seen them all a bunch. Uh, a lot of them are kids that are associated with the club, so they they have some connection to Manchester City. They might be youth players. Uh, some of them are ball boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of do things around, but to to it's an opportunity for them to kind of go out and, and not necessarily hang out with, but, but sort of be there and interact with the players. I've, I've sort of suspect, I've always suspected there's an element of it brings a certain calm to the, to the player walkout. I mean, if you, you, if you watch, you see the players standing in the, the locker room, usually it's pretty friendly, uh, you know, or either guys, there's a couple guys who know each other will high, you know, high five or shake hands. But then a lot of times you'll see guys just ignoring each other. There have been a few games over mm-hmm. the years where there's some there's clearly some tension between the two teams, and I've part of me has always suspected having the kids there helps uh, helps tamp some of that down a little <laughs> bit. Um, but it's yeah, a neat moment. That's, that's a good. It's thought. a neat moment for the kids. You'll see it. You'll see it. Uh, you'll see it all over the all over the world. A lot of teams will do that. Um, uh, interesting. So the the I had to I pulled up the Wikipedia article for this because kind of fascinated by this. First of all, there's a Wikipedia article for this, which I find interesting. Um, <laughs> But appara- apparently, there are some Premier League clubs that actually will charge uh, the 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 well, actually, <laughs> the families, not so much the kids, uh, for be- getting to right. be the mascot, particularly for big games. Uh, but then they also mentioned a few ones. Uh, one time, uh, Ajax, Amster- Ajax in Amsterdam uh, played on Mother's Day. The players actually walked out with their moms, which is a nice moment. Um, huh. So stuff like that, and there certainly points out uh, Wayne Rooney, who is a a longtime Premier League player when he was when he was a kid was actually an escort, and so I'm sure there's huh. a, a future superstar among the a, a potential future star player among uh, some of those you see out. So it's kind of an inter- it is kind of an interesting thing that happens. Um, it does seem to happen intermittently. I I, you, I never really think about it until someone comments on it, and then you notice it or notice they're not there. It, it's it is very interesting, right? Well, speaking of future star players, so I watched the first 10 minutes or so of this match. I was watching a time shifted on on Friday night, and uh, I watched the first 10 minutes or so with my son, and uh, he gave his first indication of future aspirations of professional sports at all, but specifically said that he wanted to be a keeper. I was uh, telling him about Matt Turner, how he's one of the few Americans in the Premier League, and uh, just telling him about that a little bit, and he said, I want to be a goalkeeper. So that was uh, that was interesting. But we were we were talking about the match, and he was asking who each of the players were, going by their numbers and stuff. Um, so I'd say, oh yeah, that that's Granit Xhaka, that's that's Bukayo Saka, whatever whoever he was asking about. And then it showed uh, Mikel Arteta standing on the sidelines, and I said, yeah, that's Mikel Arteta. He's he's their coach. And he looked at me and he said, I hate his face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's just his dour expression that he usually has or or what it is but he does have a, he does have a certain intensity to him doesn't he It's yeah, okay maybe, what it, maybe that's what it was I mean he says face what it probably is 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 your son is intimidated by the hair 
<laughs> probably the, per- the perfect the perfect yeah, so... never moving hair uh <laughs> yeah right yeah it's like the hair on his uh legos that he plays with <laughs> uh there the the uh, the the phrase and in early stages of arteta's uh good wins the phrase lego hair jesus has been not has been uttered more than once by various people <laughs> i i know so uh-huh yes yeah, so the lego hair is actually a perfect there is one there is one <laughs> So Arsenal will release, especially with their, especially with their their uniforms, all of these, you know, these interesting videos about you know what the uniform represents, and you know, or fun, you know, pictures of people in the club wearing different things. And they had one where they released, which had a bunch of people, including Arteta, was in it. And then they released like thirty seconds of outtakes, and they have Arteta there on camera, like looking in the camera and fixing his hair, and he goes, "How's my hair? Oh wait, it's perfect." <laughs> yeah so so continuing through the match um i think tomiyasu was the the first player with a really good shot on goal which was manchester city's first great save um there was an interesting play later on where i think it was erling holland had a breakaway just coming unopposed toward toward Arsenal's goal. And Matt Turner came way out of the goal to get away from him. I think he left the penalty box. I think he was like way out there. And they, he still managed to get a shot off, which Tomiyasu blocked admirably. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good defensive play on his end, blocking the empty net. Yeah, I, you know, Tomiyasu, uh, the the parts I was able to watch, Tomiyasu was did did a really nice job. I mean, heck of you know, heck of a shot and a, a good, you know, uh, City's keeper Ortega made some good saves there. So you know, credit to them. Yeah, and then uh, it, I, I thought it was kind of funny. I I credit myself with uh, coming up with this moments before the commentator said the same thing, but. Holding got a yellow card for holding another player, so that was appropriate and inevitable. And I'm sure it's happened before, but it's my first time seeing. This. Yeah, well, I, well, I'm about to say, uh, ho- so holding it was interesting about that because, of course, I mean, you saw who it was. He was, I'll say it, holding, uh, and and sort of going back and forth with all game. Did you catch who that was? Uh, I don't remember at this time. I probably did at the moment, but yeah. Well, I mean, it, well, it was Holland. And in fact, he oh, okay. had, quite, right, he had sure. quite a he had quite a battle with, with Holland. Who I mean, I I do not I because of various pressures on my time and other things going on. I don't actually watch a lot of the Premier League outside of Arsenal games, and so I haven't. This is my first chance really watching Erling Holland like for an extended period of time. And first off, he's a massive person. Wow, yeah, he's he big. Is. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, so that's a that's a real physical battle, and you know, Holding struggled with that. I mean, we saw, you know, last season, it, it, he 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 got beat pretty badly in that physical battle by Hinman Song. Not that Son is you know a strong player, but that Holding's efforts earned him two yellows and 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 got him kicked out of the game. That was the 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 North London derby at Tottenham at the end of the season. Um, mm. So for him to come back and have that kind of strong performance, a relatively strong performance against a player of Holland's caliber was uh, was nice to see. And, um, you know, and uh, Ga- Gabriel uh, as well had some battles with him, William Saliba a little bit also when he when he came yeah. on for holding. I think there was a sense that holding was pulled off at halftime in part because uh, in part because of that yellow that it was 
it was better that he, you know, to get him off just on the off chance he does something else. And you put in Saliba, who's definitely a a cleaner defender in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah, I mean, regarding Holland, yeah, I'd say my thoughts are he he is a good player and I hate his face. (laughs) 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 Oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. And then uh, in the second half, when they brought in Enkedia and Martinelli, I think, and I, maybe there was one other substitution. There, there was a whole group that came in 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 Arteta's last round of substitutions. He was allowed, and uh, Enkedia had a, a good attempt um, that was just uh, just not quite there, but was close again. Yeah, I, the, in the so. second half. So yeah, that was when um, uh, Martinelli came on for Trossard and. Uh, Odegaard came on for Saka. And I mean, we talked about City taking an air, some air out of the game. Arsenal did generate a couple of chances in the second half, and they were they were close for a little bit there in terms of maybe getting the equalizer. But I, all things considered, that this might be the this might be the preferred result to a draw. All things considered. Well, yeah, and it definitely looked like it was going in the direction of a draw for a while. And I remembered from our talk and then also the commentators were were also pointing out that, yeah, you really don't want to draw with these two teams playing each other. You don't want them to have to do it all over again and add another game to the already congested schedule and and a difficult game at that, that, yeah, it it worked out. I think, yeah, I think everyone at Arsenal is probably happier with one nil than one one <laughs> it is it's it's a it's always a curious thing it was with with the fa cup in particular since i think i believe the league cup is excised the excised the replays altogether at this point hopefully but it's it's mm. the fascinating thing sometimes the fa cup where sometimes it really is better to lose um to then to draw in particular obviously the preferred result is to win um mm-hmm. but i we can we can we could discuss that also before, you know, as we, once we move on from the game, just to make sure there wasn't anything else we needed to, you wanted to make sure we hit on during the game. I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, it's, are there any other cup competitions left for us this season? Uh, just the Europa League. So we're, we're out of the league cup, right. we're out of the FA cup and it's the Europa League right. and premier league here all the way in. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I guess it's, it's interesting it's interesting to me having these competitions in the middle of the season that are outside of the regular play like that is something novel from my experience with any professional sports um it, it's tough to exactly know what to make of it i mean it's like i didn't care at all about the league cup because i, I wasn't allowed to watch the match in the first place and by the time that i found out they lost in the first game i was like oh well okay i guess that's done i didn't really have time to, <laughs> to process it really um with this one it was kind of similar it was it was our first or actually no it was our second uh fa cup match wasn't it yeah, it was we Oxford. Uh, yeah, the beginning of Oxford, the right. Oxford was the first one. So, yeah. So, you know, we, we'd been a little ways into it. I guess it might have hurt more if we were closer to the end. And if it was against anyone other than the one team that I've been taught to fear <laughs> so far this season, <laughs> right? Like it, the fact that it's a knockout and either we or Manchester City is not going forward. Well, OK, you're not going to feel too bad knowing that either of these massive teams, massively successful teams is not going to make it. And okay, well, it happened to be us. 
you know, it doesn't doesn't sting as much, I guess. But uh, you know, I, I'm still hopeful for the Europa League. I'm, we're more invested in that. They played a whole bunch of games toward it, and I think they have a real shot. You know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, and we can touch on this a little bit. I mean, you're, you know, you're right, sort of the difference between the, the American sporting model, which has a, a postseason where you play the regular season to, to qualify and seed yourself for that, that postseason tournament. Whereas, and frankly, this is true in, in most European sports in general, certainly, you know, really American sports are the outliers here where, yeah, the league is its own thing, and the knockout competition is completely different. And you saw with the, the random mm-hmm. draw that winds up. I mean, the idea that here in the fourth round, out of I think there's a total of I want to say I want to say there's like eight would be eight rounds total. I think the I think you get to round six, and then you know, they start announcing they start calling them quarterfinal, semifinal, or maybe semifinal. It's it, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the idea that you would have essentially the two best teams in the league meeting, you know, three games away, what, four games away from the final is, mm-hmm. feels weird, but also yeah. it's just completely normal. I, you know, that's just, that's just how this right. competition works. Cause it's just, it's a completely different competition. Um, well, yeah, it's so massive when you have such a wide range of tiers of teams playing each other. They're they're really I can't think of a better way to do it than the random draw. It, it almost seems like the only fair way to go. Um, yeah, and there is there is a and unless, there is a certain yeah. Unless <laughs> I was just gonna say, unless you had some kind something that was closer to the way that you qualify for the Europa League or the Champions League or something where each tier, each level of the pyramid, you have your own separate competition. Then it's like the best from each of those play each other kind of culminating in the uh, more of a traditional pyramid type structure for the tournament, I guess. But, but no, it, it does make for some interesting pairings. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, I, well, I think I think there's there's two angles to that. One, I think part of what makes the competition matter is the way everyone's in there. So if let's say it's let's say it's Manchester City who wins the cup, it would win a knockout competition with just all the you know out of the Premier League, and then they wind up in a tournament with the champions out of the next ten tiers. I mean, they don't care. <laughs> there's no there's no glory mm-hmm. in winning that if they're them. So the ha- having all of the teams in there, especially the you know the Premier League teams as well, really adds that extra element to it and. Um, you know, it is a valuable trophy. Arsenal's won it more than anyone else. It is a competition that actually historically matters a great deal to the club. But also, it's one that's, it's one to me that's always very English. Like, it it sort of feels mm. like it still maintains that sense of Englishness that the, the Premier League is kind of lost to a certain extent, yeah, you know, because it's got because it's become. I mean, I you know this is going to sound so negative that it's gone kind of corporate, but it, it has really tried to project an international image. Whereas the FA Cup feels very localized and quaint, and the final is a is sort of a delightful yeah. m- you know mishmash of of all sorts of English things. The royal family goes. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff in there that makes it feel. Like it's their tournament in the way the Premier League kind of they've kind of lost with the Premier League, uh, which I which I always find kind of fascinating. Um, yeah, but it's a fun competition, and having Arsenal having it's the only trophy I've ever seen Arsenal win. So you know, I I can appreciate I can appreciate <laughs> the FA Cup. Uh, so sure. I, um, 
But yeah, I think the other thing it does, and this is part of, I think another way to, to think about this is, of course, with all these competitions going on at the same time, you know, you get to a point at this point in the season or into February, they, they call it congestion, right? Where the more competitions you're in, the more games you mm-hmm. have to play, and it really sort of tests your depth. And so I kind of, I, as someone who's experiencing that for the first time, I don't know how much of that conversation you've really gotten to hear you know, in terms of from fans or commentators or whatnot, but I'm kind of curious what you think about it from that perspective, that in some ways it's better to be out as much as we want to win the trophy, of course, but is it maybe better to lose this one to set us up for success or, you know, potential success elsewhere? Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking to somebody who is really, who has no investment at all in caring about the FA Cup in the first place. So, yeah, strategically, it certainly does set us up to maintain rest and a stronger lineup for the matches yet to come in in the Premier League and the Europa League. So. So yeah, uh, bring it on. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's easy to say now, of course, since we've lost and we're out. So you know, there we go. Yeah. But, well, right. <laughs> but but I do but I do think also it's it's sort of worth thinking about in terms of what the you know in terms of the we talked about like just we talked about this potential you know the, you know the the winners of each league playing each other kind of a tournament in terms of the stakes. Part of what I think makes the Europa League so important and the, the Premier League as well is is really setting yourself up for next year and that's qualifying for the Champions League. Right, definitely. And, and I, yeah. who knows? When it comes to the idea, maybe it's a good thing they're knocked out. That may have factored into Arteta's decision of who to start in the match. He may have been thinking it wouldn't be the worst thing. Like we we have such a good chance in those other competitions going very well to not have the distraction. Maybe he figured, yeah, we'll give it a shot. I'm not going to put losers or anything out there, <laughs> but maybe we don't bring our A game because maybe it isn't the worst thing. I could see that at least factoring into his decision-making possibly, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and Arteta is a super competitive guy and he, he wants to win every game. And I, and I'm, you know, I'm on board with that obviously, but you know, the, the real prize for Arsenal's qualifications are the champions league. And you do that either by finishing in the top four in the league, which we're in pretty good shape to do. I, you know, I, we're halfway through mm-hmm. and, and I know we're talking about being in a title race, but obviously to finish in the top four, which is all I really wanted out of the season really to begin with and, or to win the Europa League. The Europa League champion goes to the Champions League next year. So, you know, in that sense, those are by far the two most important competitions. Winning the FA Cup only qualifies you for the Europa League next year. Assuming you don't qualify for the Champions right, League. Yep. So, so in a sense, the prize itself, if the Champions League is your ultimate goal, which this season I think it is, now, you know, how much has that changed because of where we sit in the table? It's kind of an, I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, like in terms of how our expectations are changed, kind of the, what we talked about after the, after the, the United game. You know, how, how much our expectations changed about what this team is capable of and, you know, if we have sure. a real shot at the title, does I mean, because now City has to play another game in the FA Cup, and we don't. And that's another game mm-hmm. they have to play. They're going to play massive games in the Champions League. They're, they're um, gosh, I'm looking up who do they draw in the, for them in the round of 16. Um, I actually recall it being uh, not all that difficult. I mean, they, they drew Red Bull RB Leipzig, which is a decent team, a team they should beat. Um, but you know, if they win that, I mean, who knows? It could be, it could be, it could be, you know, either the, the Italian teams, Milan or Internazionale, it could be, 
I mean, it could be Liverpool, Chelsea, or Spurs. It could be Real Madrid, the champions. It could be whoever wins PSG and Bayern. I mean, you know, they're potentially winding up with a, a couple of really high-profile, high-stakes, high-intensity games. And we don't. We're we're gonna draw. You know, I we're, you know we're gonna we're gonna draw somebody who's not as who's probably not as good. Um, who's certainly not as good. I mean. You know, there are some dangerous teams lurking potentially in the in the next round. But by and large, right. you know, we, we can feel, you know, and, and, and I think they're at a point where, yes, we want to win the Europa League. But it, I, I will, that to me is the more curious line of decision coming in March, how Arteta decides to approach those games. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it really says a lot about how he'll value the Europa League relative to the Premier League and and what we saw in what we saw in the group stage of the Europa League was a lot of rotation, right? A lot of guys that we don't usually see in the Premier League. As we go into the knockout stages, especially if the competition gets tougher as we, if we get deeper, you're probably it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see more of the regulars getting a lot more run out. Uh and who mm-hmm. knows, maybe that means they go lighter in the Premier League in those weekend games. So it'll be very curious to see how they approach that going forward knowing that the what's in, in front of them i mean again how much have expectations internally changed how much are they telling themselves this is the year to take a shot at the title right yeah put all your wood behind that arrow maybe yeah we'll have to see so yeah um one other thing that was kind of interesting so we were we were comparing a little bit to other sports with the tournament structure um I was in the position to be watching the, I, th- I think it was the NFC uh, conference championship for the NFL oh, yeah, yesterday, the Eagles versus uh, the 49ers they were playing. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. it's, it's, yeah, so it was my first time watching an American football game in, in a long time. And I saw most of it just kind of, it was, it was on in the background while, while I was doing some family stuff. And um, yeah, just the frequent commercial interruptions were probably the biggest thing that was just very jarring and different <laughs> from soccer and really in a negative way. Like it was just like, Oh my God, just over and over and over again, this stop in the clock and you get all these commercials. Whereas, you know, yeah, there's stoppage in soccer, but it's not annoying when it stops. It's like, okay, well, they stop. It's usually 30 seconds or less. And then they get going again. And it's just, it wasn't just like constant interruption. That was, that was interesting. I, it, it is kind of fascinating to me because you're coming at this as an even as an American, you're coming at this sort of backwards. Most Americans will watch, yeah, <laughs> well, are used to watching the NFL or watching professional baseball, which has lots of commercials, and then they get to a soccer game and they're like, "Where are the commercials? That's it. They keep playing. Okay, right. I kind of like this." Um, <laughs> whereas for you, you've gone the opposite. You've watched the, the 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 sort of the the straightforward game, and now you're flipping over to the NFL, and it's like three you know three minutes of game time. All right, commercials. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's not that I've never watched football or baseball before. I have. It's just not oh, of as often, and especially not like not with the capability that TiVo brought of skipping commercials and things like that. <laughs> where like you know, if if I did watch any matches back when I had a, t- a cable TV subscription. I would make sure that if it's something live, I'd start at 15 to 20 minutes later. So I could always skip the commercials and and things like that. And, you know, when, when I'm streaming and I have to skip commercials, like I'll mute them or something if I can't skip them. And it's just, yeah, I'm a very, I've become in the last 10, 15 years, I've become very commercial averse. (laughs) 
<laughs> it just <laughs> grates on me in, in a very deep, irrational way, maybe. But yeah. No, I, I don't think it's irrational at all. Commercials are a great time to check out something online or go get a snack or, or, go, or go to the bathroom. Like, commercials, <laughs> yeah. I don't pay attention yeah. to most of them. Even the Super Bowl ones aren't yeah. very good. But we can have that conversation after that. We can have that conversation in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, one question I wanted to check with you on, especially uh, it was actually kind of referenced in the commentary on this match. So they, they mentioned that Will Holding is one of, or Rob, sorry, not Will Holding, it's Rob Holding, right? Yeah, Rob Holding, yes. Rob Holding, right? I don't know. I don't know where Will came from. I don't, I don't know who Will, I don't know who Will Holding is, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds familiar for some reason. I don't know, but maybe Will Hunting, like the movie Good Will Hunting. Yeah, I say that was where I went to, but uh, it's, maybe <laughs> let's not let's not go there. Uh... <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, how do you like them apples? Uh, so he they said that he had been on the team for a very long time like seven years or something like that and that's that's one thing that i'm missing that watching the all or nothing documentary kind of filled in a gap with a little bit but not to the degree that obviously that you have with having watched the team for as long as you have um who has been around for a long time and who was a newcomer like if you if you had to kind of make a list of like five players who are the quintessential players that have been on the team forever like i i know from what i've seen so far Jaka has been on for a while and holding like i just mentioned those are two players i know without hesitation they've been on for a while obviously we know Trissard was like just brought in yesterday practically um but like so this season who are the newbies and who are the, the old hands uh well yeah i mean the, the new guys are the easy one to talk about as you mentioned Trissard was just acquired uh you think about some of the other names that were brought in from the summer obviously the big ones uh gabriel jesus and and oleg zinchenko uh, the two big ones, but you okay, can also right. look, but you can also look at uh, some of the guys who are getting that those cup runouts. So Marquinhos, uh, Fabio Vieira, okay. uh, players like that are relatively new. Uh, in terms of longest tenure at the club, I believe, and I'm yeah, I believe, um, bum, 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 bum. yes, the I believe technically the longest tenured player at the club for the first team is actually Mohamed El Neni, who came in January oh, okay. of 2016. Uh, the longest player who's actually gotten the most is is Granite Xhaka, who came over in the summer of 2016 and has been with the team and is a regular starter, minus injuries right. and the uh, more than occasional red card suspension that he's picked up. Uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly he has Although been the not most, this season. <laughs> not this season. He's been very good. He's been very good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's 2016, as I saw, the 16-17 season was the first full season, as I saw, for Xhaka, Mohamed Elneny, and also uh, Rob Holding. Uh, the difference, of course, right. there is that Holding has actually spent a lot of time on the bench. Elneny spends a lot of time on the bench, and Jaka starts every game. So if you're looking for longest tenured regular player, it's Jaka. If you're looking for longest tenured altogether at the club, I, th- I believe it's Elneny. Uh, and then over the years, you know, y- y- it's interesting to talk about a player like Holding, or we can talk about some of the other young guys, Inketia or, or Bukayo Saka, who have been part of the team, or at least been been you know involved in the team for a while, and of course also were youth players, and so they've sort of been around um, and would have gotten right. their debuts 
they would have gotten their debuts a while ago, but would have played a game uh, before being mm-hmm. before going back to the youth team. I I'm, I I had meant to look this up, so I'm just gonna pull a couple of them. I'm just gonna pull a couple uh, players up really quick. Uh, Bukayo Saka uh, made his date. Looks like he made his debut for Arsenal in 2018. Yeah, I first played for Arsenal in November 2018 in a Europa League match. Uh, coming on as a okay. substitute, and Eddie and Katia first played for Arsenal in September 2017 for a Europa League match. He came on as a substitute in in that game, so that's 2017 for Katia. He also played uh, a season on loan at Leeds United. So, um, hmm. uh, so that was uh, so. Yeah, I mean, you'll see those guys. They'll come in early, but they'll come in for a game or a half, or they'll play in the Europa League, and really for them. You know, coming into the Premier League and getting their first Premier League games. You know, Inkedia, as I see, his first start for Arsenal in the Premier League uh, was it was against Newcastle. Looks like in January of 2020, or at least in the the twenty the second half of 2020, the 2020 season. Um, okay. So game, and then Bukayo Saka's was uh, we get his first Premier League start. Um, yeah, first Premier League start came in September of uh, 2019, so shortly after his uh, shortly after his debut debut in the Europa League. And I mean, Saka's a okay. Saka's a bit of a, a unicorn. He is an absurdly talented player. I mean, again, he's, he's 21 years old, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of which is kind of crazy when you say it out loud. Mm-hmm. It, it, for, I mean, it's it's sometimes it's crazy like how how old he is, even relative to someone like Reese Nelson, who we've sort of talked about and we know is around, uh, you know, he gets treated like he's a young guy, but I think he's actually older than Saka. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, even in Ketia is uh, getting the age and Ketia's 23. So he's a little bit older. Yeah. Reese Nelson's 23. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating, but these are Academy guys. And so they've been around for a while. Um, right. In some cases, since they were very young, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's in sort of the the uh, the old guard and the new, and then a lot of them have been sprinkled in over the last few years. I've uh, sort of come in as as uh, various players, and then you have the case of someone like William Saliba, very briefly, who was signed a couple of years ago and actually went went out on loan back to France for a couple of seasons, and this year his is is has made his debut for Arsenal and is he's settled in quite nicely. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Uh, good info, good additional context to keep in mind as I'm watching these guys. And uh, so uh, you want to tell me what's coming up next week? Uh, yeah. So we have a game on Saturday, back to the Premier League action. We're going to go to Everton, uh, to Goodison Park up in Liverpool to play Everton, uh, who... Uh, how is Everton seasons going? Well, they recently fired their manager. That's how the season's going for them. <laughs> uh, Everton's actually one of the handful of clubs that since the foundation of the Premier League in uh, 19, uh, was it 91, 92, in that stretch, is one of the few clubs that has never actually been uh, relegated from the Premier League. Um, and now they are very mm-hmm. much in danger of being relegated from the Premier League. They currently sit in 19th. Uh, which again is why their manager was fired. So on the plus side, they're not very good, and it's a, a game we should feel good about bouncing back in. The downside is the manager they've they've hired is a guy named Sean Deitch, 
who we saw a bunch over the years. He was the manager at Burnley, and um, Burnley plays a, a robust style. Are always played under Dyche. Now, part of that was out of necessity because they weren't very talented. So you you do what you got to do. Uh, but I've always kind of yeah. liked Sean Dyche, at least as a person, at least as far as like you can tell from, you know, seeing him as a manager. And his response was always, you know, why do you play this way? Well, I mean, we can't play we can't play open. I mean, we'll get hammered. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, my job's to win, uh, which <laughs> I can which I can respect. So um, he's a good he's he's a decent manager. Everton's also kind of stinks. Um, I, I feel pretty good about our chances the way we've played all year. There's always that little voice in the back of your head that says, oh, well, maybe, I don't know, but frankly, we should. We should win this <laughs> one. Um, we had a very disappointing loss up in up at Everton last year, and it would I think it would make a lot of people feel better if we didn't do that again this year. Right. Um, when you're talking about them being one of a few that have never been relegated, I know you've said that about Arsenal before, but with Arsenal, does that extend to before the Premier League's foundation where they've never been relegated from top flight football at all in England? Is that is that a distinction? Uh, right. Since they entered the first division in, I think it was 1919, uh, right shortly after yeah. World War One, was sort of the fir- the football league was sort of truly established. Arsenal is the only club that's never been relegated. Um, right. Since then, of course, uh, you know, obviously the the foundation of the Premier League I, I believe it is the, the so-called big six as they are currently. That's Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, United, and Tottenham. Uh, none of uh, Well, I shouldn't say that. City has been relegated, actually, it, from the Premier League. Hmm. But um, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, Tottenham, and Everton, are have, none of them have been relegated. Um, oh, I, okay. keep trying to find, I keep trying to find a list of anyone who's, been, who's actually been relegated uh, since then, and I uh, let's see what I can find. Uh, Nope, that's the list. Uh, yeah, Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, United, and Spurs are the only clubs who haven't been relegated since the league was founded. Okay. The Premier League, I mean. Yeah, good to know. All right, well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan on Apple Podcasts to download a raw, unedited recording right away. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Goodbye, Keith. Goodbye, Dove, and let's go, you Gunners. <laughs>